I'm Rob. I'm John. And this is the Mint One Podcast. Where we talk all things NFTs and the rise of blockchain gaming. All that's on anyone's lips at the moment is Ethereum's merge. It's just two weeks away. What does it mean to Ethereum, your holdings and to the chain's future? Right, back from Gamescom. Um, I no longer have my... Who's that... Um, Who's the person that guy in Discord said I look like that was absolutely perfect? Like Corinthian <laughs> from the Sandman. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I was I was conscious of wearing those sunglasses because I didn't want to seem like one of those guys that wears sunglasses on a podcast. But <laughs> but that wall was so bright, and I didn't want to just be like that the whole podcast. So I, um, I don't think the think audio. Hungover. I don't think the audio quality was too bad you could hear some of the people <laughs> rustling around in the background and the wind oh my god yeah. i hadn't realized how windy it was but no yeah, we should have had a um the uh i can't remember what it's called wind badger yeah <laughs> the, the thing here stick over the top of it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. funny enough i uh i have one and didn't bring it because i don't think we need it so <clears throat> i'll uh that's well, something i I, we'll I think next time we'll take lav mics i think uh, I think that would be that would be good. And really upgrade upgrade the quality. Um, but yes, Gamescom, um, absolutely amazing, absolutely tiring, would be yes. my review. Yes, I absolutely agree. Um, so we recorded the uh, the live uh, Mint One live episode on uh, just well in the middle of day one, basically uh, day one of the yep. trade day, I believe. And I think both of us have had a few meetings and heard generally what the noise on the ground was, but mm. we hadn't got a, a full impression of uh, exactly what was going on um, with traditional gaming and blockchain and NFTs and Web3. And now coming out of the back of Gamescom, um, I think I'm even more surprised by just how many people, um, when I say people, I mean studios, publishers, AAAs, etc., that are actively making moves in the space. And yeah, not just not just you know exploratory. This seems cool. Let's have three people look at this for some time. It's like no, here's a studio with a thirty-person dedicated team who's put pen to paper with various you know blockchains, um, you know infrastructure providers, etc., and have already started building what their Web three experience is going to be like. Mm. And that's huge for gaming, for blockchain, for NFTs, for all of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much we can say. I don't know how much is. I presume it wasn't particularly privileged, as they were talking to people they'd never met before about it. But everyone I met with, every single company I met with, um, which is, I mean, that's kind of a misleading stat because obviously I work. I made it very clear where I work and what I do, and I even rejected meetings when they said they. You know, they weren't like the, uh, there were several indie publishers that wanted to meet, but they weren't looking at blockchain. And I was like, well, I don't know what we'd meet about really, because that's all I'm here for. Um, but the major publishers, uh, developers, companies doing sort of middleware, I mean, they're just all working on it. And we're, we're not talking about small publishers here. <laughs> the most famous AAA publishers seem to all have divisions for it i mean it's just like i said on the last episode and i and now you know we've had the whole of gamescom i feel it more than ever the next year or two is going to be mad for for blockchain gaming um yeah i really think it, it moves into the mainstream just because it has nowhere else to go this all the mainstream is adopting it even if the players don't realize that yet yeah and i think there's 
there's a lot of skepticism around blockchain and NFTs, and it always has done, you know, ever since, you know, people had his sale last year and a, a ton of, uh, of new people arrived in the ecosystem. There's always been, a, you know, a, well, I, I don't want to say all of the general public are detractors, but there is a large subset of people that are of course, open yeah. detractors of blockchain technology. And mm. I think the conversation is going to change somewhat once we see these reputable names from the traditional space enter Web3. Um, funny yeah. enough, earlier today, uh, just for, uh, uh, we're working on some new onboarding things on the Atomic Hub side. Um, I was re-watching some bits of the Line Goes Up video from January mm. this year. Yeah. And I'll be very interested to see um, a couple of months down the line when we get to January 2023, how much of that video um, kind of still applies to the space in general. Because um, I think a lot of it was, had brought some very legitimate concerns and some very yeah. good points, but also talked a lot about how, you know, a lot of the people in the space aren't really trustworthy and that's a lot of grifters and a lot of speculators. And I think having these trusted, reputable entities enter the space will change the narrative somewhat about exactly what kind of industry blockchain is. Yeah, I, the... the it's a very interesting documentary that, and I think it will be one of those things that people will revisit for a long time um, as a sort of marker of where we were at that time. Uh, like you said, there's there's legitimate concerns he brings up that I agree with, um, but it, it became sort of the, I don't know, like the holy grail of people detracting from um, crypto in general. I mean, if you look at Reddit, anytime someone mentions, oh, we don't like um NFTs or we don't like blockchain or crypto or Ethereum or whatever, someone will link line goes up or someone will say, go check lines go up, line goes up uh, uh, to see why we don't like it. And become like the poster child for, um, you know, all the things that's wrong with it. And a lot of them are being overcome either by more legitimate people moving into the space um, or by some of the major issues being solved which is probably the best segue I can possibly do into what this episode is about, which is the Ethereum merge. Um, so much talk about it. It's I heard someone refer to it as the biggest event in crypto's history. Probably true. I, I, I was trying to think of something that was, te- that was bigger. I mean, you could probably find something that's had more long-term impact. Um, I mean, maybe if you're really splitting hairs you could say satoshi's white paper you know something like that yeah. but but i think since crypto existed it certainly is one of the biggest if not the biggest event um and it's quite complicated i yeah. had to spend a little bit of time like neither john nor i for the listeners um i'm not speaking to some random third person that's on this call uh neither john nor i are experts neither of us you don't code do you no i don't not really anyway N- no, I, I don't really, I am sort of learning solidity on the side just for, uh, just so I know more about it, but, uh, I'm very, I'm very entry level and I don't really know much about the tech. Uh, Token Gamer is a network validator, a block producer for WAX. So I do have some knowledge of that side of things, but I'm far from an expert. I did have to write a educational piece on WAX's EVM, which taught me a lot about, uh, that's the Ethereum virtual machine which taught me a lot, but I, I, I'm, I'm not an expert. John's not an expert, but we have researched it to a level where we can, you know, explain what's happening, uh, why it's interesting, why it's important. 
Uh, and if we get anything wrong, please correct us and we will put notes in the um, description. But I, I think I have a fairly good grasp on it, although it's it's as deep as you want it to be <laughs> that's the that's the problem pretty much i mean if you've seen any of the, the conversations on twitter re the merge there's an awful lot of speculation and to be quite honest mm. we won't know a lot of the outcomes until the merge happens so yeah from the from a headline point of view the ethereum merge is set to happen on september the 15th which is two weeks exactly from um the date that this podcast is being recorded um what's happening um, what, or what is the merge? It is Ethereum moving from proof of work to proof of stake. Now, a quick overview on proof of work. Um, that's the, the the consensus mechanism that Bitcoin is built on and Ethereum up to this point. It's where basically a load of nodes compete to solve um, cryptographic um, sums first. Uh, and then that's how kind of transactions are pushed to the blockchain but of course with uh, loads of machines competing to answer the same uh, or to get the answer to the same sum um, there's a lot of wasted energy it takes a lot of time and this is where a lot of people's concerns about um, you know these massive farms of you know massive computer farms you know generating bitcoin and ethereum etc come from it's it's because of this proof of work mechanism um, mm. and now we're transferring to proof of stake which is where you have uh, basically a load of elected validators who basically pay a fee um, and then have their machinery. And there's more of a, instead of the machines competing against one another, there's basically an agreement between them that, okay, you will do this transaction, this one will do this transaction, this one will do this transaction. So hmm. what that effectively does is now because the machines are working in unity rather than fighting one another, um, transactions happen a lot more quickly. Um, there's far, far less um, electricity being used, so it's a lot more environmentally friendly. And I mean, yeah, that's the that's the overview. And yeah. on the face of it, that's nothing but a good thing. And just for, as an overview from my point of view, I think the merge is going to be a very good thing for Ethereum. Yes. But uh, depending on who you talk to, um, they have uh, you can find very different opinions on the effect this will have. Um, what exactly will happen to ETH as a chain? What will happen to the NFTs? What will happen to layer twos? Um, so I think we can kind of break down what we know mm. of uh, of what will happen um, on Ethereum because of the merge. Yeah, so I, I looked at criticisms because to me it seemed almost unambiguously positive to move from proof of work to proof of stake. There are a lot of benefits. Um the environmental impact is the flagship one. The So Ethereum believes that the reduction in energy consumption by getting rid of mining completely um, and securing the network by uh, proof of stake will be a reduction of energy consumption by 99.95%, which is crazy. I, there was already people uh, arguing for uh, how pro the Ethereum's proof of work consensus was justifiable, even though it was high energy. Um, for what it does, you know, there's tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars of um, financial assets and um, Ethereum itself, the token itself, moving through that network. And if you compare that to major banks and their carbon footprint, blah, 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 blah. So th this removes that 
completely. It also will make um, Ethereum ESG compliant, uh, which a lot of major ESG is uh, environmental, social and governance. And it's essentially a, like a list of outlines for making sure that your company is uh, a lot of things. But the thing we're interested in is the environmental impact to make sure you don't have too big a carbon footprint. And now that's a very important thing to be compliant with for major companies, particularly companies on the stock exchange. They have to be, I think they have to be ESG compliant, or it's certainly something that they're, that they're see, you should be seen to be working on. And, uh, I, I didn't realize this, but by Ethereum becoming ESG compliant, it's not only great because, uh, it douses a number of polar bears that were on fire, but it also makes the network more attractive to these big corporations who may have not been able to interact with it because it wasn't ESG compliant and because probably because, you know, the heat it was getting from, um, that was a bit of a pun. I didn't mean that <laughs> the heat it was getting from outside of, uh, of, you know, crypto and, and people criticizing the damage it was doing to the planet, which I don't know how anyone could really argue with that. It's a problem we need to address straight away. I've been hot as f press my marker so you know to bleep out the swearing um i've been hot as oh, i'm gonna have to do it twice i've been hot as f for months recording this podcast so if we could fix you know that would help me but on a personal level uh, as well as many um many on fire polar bears anyway i've, I've gone <laughs> slightly off point <laughs> the, the point is that the energy consumption reduction of 99.95% all but removes one of the biggest criticisms of Ethereum uh, and NFTs as a whole. So that is, I mean, it's just amazing for mainstream adoption, I think. Yeah. And we're, we're so, we're so close to it now. I think, I never know how to say, do you know how to pronounce the last test net? Is it Gurley? G-O-E-R-L-I. I've never heard anyone say it out loud. So I don't yeah, should I even attempt it? I'm not sure, but give it. I mean, could... I, 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 should we go girly? Girl, let's say girly. Go for girly. Ah, oh, it's probably wrong, isn't it? Um, but the, yeah, so that test net. This is this is probably the bit we should explain next. Is why it's called the merge is because they will be merging the POS chain, proof of stake chain, with the proof of work chain, which will make the proof of work chain redundant. Um, and how they've done this is I heard a brilliant analogy. Where did I hear it? I'll find it and put it in the show notes. There was a brilliant analogy on, on how they've basically built parallel chains and they've been working on these chains for nearly two years. And the analogy was it's like Ethereum was a car that's driving down a motorway and it's using a petrol engine and they want to switch to electric. But the problem is you need the car to keep moving the whole time. You can't stop the car. Um, you know, the car in this analogy would be stopping block production. So anything running on Ethereum would have to stop. So it's not just, oh, I can't send my NFT for a day or whatever. All DeFi, um, all dApps, there'd be, it would cause the most amount of disruption. So they had to essentially work out a way that they could switch um, their con consensus from proof of work to proof of stake without ever stopping the chain so it just it's just fluid so it's like building this electric engine and then they're testing it alongside the petrol for uh, i think it's been 18 months two years or whatever uh, i think it started in december 2020 they started testing it and 
then they need to switch without stopping block production at all, which is what they are looking to do. Is Do you say it's the 15th of September? Uh, 15th of September, yes. Yeah. So this month they're, they're looking at, at doing that and then they will merge the chains. And when they merge the chains, the proof of work just terminates. There will be no more mining and that chain is not, this isn't like a hard fork. This is the removal of the proof of work chain. Um, did I miss anything there? I, I ended up covering way more than I meant to in, in such a short period of time. <laughs> no, I think that was a pretty good, um, a pretty good overview. And um, of course, Ethereum moving to proof of stake would make um, Bitcoin really the kind of the last bastion of the proof of work chains. Of course, it's still the yeah. number one, number one cryptocurrency. Um, but I mean, unless you're going to look at, like you know, Monero and dogecoin <laughs> which for the purposes of this conversation I'm not, I'm not going to include then then yes um bitcoin will be the last proof of work i think we're going to get to some point let's say five years down the line where the, this whole is a blockchain proof of work is a blockchain proof of stake is just going to be irrelevant um and, and hmm. we're going to arrive to a, a better consensus on how to how to execute blockchains in a way that's both um, environmentally sustainable um and yeah. just um and also secure secure in the in the same hmm. way that proof of work chains were um but anyway I think one of, um, as soon as people heard about this merge, um, I think a lot of people, um, jumped to, um, jumped to the, uh, blah, 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 jumped to the conclusion rather, man, it's been a long day for me, um, <laughs> that, um, surely gas fees will go down in price, right? Because, yeah. um, you know, you've got, you know, rather than, um, all these nodes competing, they're working together, etc. And the Ethereum Foundation came out um, a couple of weeks ago and tried to kind of temper people's expectations on that front a bit, uh, on that mm. front a bit. So, um, obviously, these chains are merging, um, but for the time being, the same um, kind of the same nodes, the same machinery that's running Ethereum is going to continue to run Ethereum, just using a different mm. consensus mechanism. Um, yep. At some point in 2023, they're introducing something called sharding, um, yep. which is where the actual machinery running Ethereum will change. But for the time being, um, the proof of stake to proof of work uh, changeover, the merge, um, isn't going to change what um, machinery is actually running Ethereum. So there's going to be no immediate increase in Ethereum's capacity to perform transactions. So, um, uh, just for a bit of a background on gas price, the reason gas prices are are higher is that, or gas prices are high, I should say, um, is because let's say you've got a you've got a blockchain that can do 100 transactions a second, and mm. you've got 10,000 transactions a second trying to come in, and these um, these nodes, these validators, um, obviously have to pick and choose which transactions. Um, to put through and there's going to be delays and you know it's not going to be instantaneous let's say yeah and as there's more and more demand um the the price for processing those transactions increases and, and that's what we know as a gas fee and so if anything or at least from the way i understand it the ethereum merges you know it's going to be a big piece of news people are going to be very excited about it and um, it's likely going to increase the amount of transactions coming to ethereum um, as the merge happens, which may even increase <laughs> the gas prices yeah. um, for a, for a short while, anyway. Um, but yeah. yes, until until sharding occurs in 2023, gas fees, at least for now, it looks like they're not going to change all too much. You know, you still are most likely going to be spending twenty, thirty, forty, fifty dollars 
to process your Ethereum transactions. Yeah, so I think a lot of the confusion here is that when we talk about um, low gas fees and low environmental impact of proof of stake um, consensus mechanisms, it's because the chains using proof of stake tend to have extremely low gas fees or no gas fees. And I think people just expected that to be a result, but it being a proof of stake blockchain does not necessitate lower transaction fees. And that is what they will be rolling out. It's a step-by-step process. So there's a number of consequences, however, of going proof of stake. And there was one I, I, I knew of, but I didn't, I hadn't really thought it through, which is, have you heard of it being called the triple halving? A little bit. Yes. I've seen the phrase. So yeah, I kept seeing the phrase and I wasn't really sure if that was referring to what it sounds like it's referring to, but it, it is. Um, so Ethereum issuance, the, uh, that is the issuance of Ethereum tokens will drop significantly, um, when the proof of work ta- chain is terminated. Uh, and once you, the move to proof of stake is complete. So it's being called the triple halving because it's the reduction in issuance is going to be equal to three Bitcoin halving events. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know what Bitcoin halving event is, this is when the reward for mining Bitcoin is halved every four years. So it's a, you know, um, depreciating, uh, volume. That's not strictly true, but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. Uh, and the, the next halving event is 2024. So three halving events is, you know, 12 years. So it, it's a big drop off in how many new Ethereum tokens will um, be issued into the ecosystem. Now, I just want to hashtag not financial advice, standard, but don't, if you, if you've just heard this and thought, okay, well, I'm about to make some money. The markets probably reacted to that about 18 months ago, <laughs> if not longer. Yeah. So it is way past the point of, of being able to buy that dip, but it will make, um, well, it, it will lower the issuance. Now there, there was, there's been some misconceptions about this. I saw one com- misconception on, I think it was on Twitter where essentially they believe it's going to follow the same trend that Bitcoin will follow, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, Bitcoin's issuance will eventually trend all the way to zero, um, where all of the Bitcoin is now out there and it can only be burned. You can't create new Bitcoin. That's not going to happen. Um, even under proof of stake, that's not going to happen for Ethereum. Uh, Ethereum serves a very different purpose, particularly with DeFi and dApps. It needs circulation um, to, be, to be able to burn, th- to keep burn rates up and... Uh, it, it will never trend down to zero. It, it, or if it does, <laughs> it's very bad. It's not good. It's bad. Not good. Um, but the peak, I think the peak was, is said to be once the merge is complete, there'll be about 100, and, I think it was 120 million Ethereum. Um, but then essentially over the next 10, 20, 30 years, it's going to try and find the right level of issuance. Uh, versus, so basically it's just like supply and demand, but throwing in burn rates. Uh, and it, it estimates that it wants to hit around, uh, a 60 to a hundred million total supply of Ethereum. So 
yeah, that's just one of the, there's, because there's a ton of misconceptions about, um, this merge. And that's one that I think is quite important because Ethereum isn't really trying to compete with Bitcoin on almost any front. And so that whole, you know, there's only a certain amount of it that's ever going to be minted. Can you say minted for a token? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not actually sure uh, whether that made, made sense to say it in that way, but there isn't going to be a uh, an end to the supply and that essentially ethereum is going to look for an issuance level that balances everything out with burn rates and demand um and and seen back to you john (laughs) so if you look at various cryptocurrencies some have a a hard cap on how many can be can be minted Uh, i'm just going to use minted why not Uh, and some don't um for example bitcoin does have a, a hard limit on you know, it's supply, uh, I think BNB does as well, XRP, Cardano, mm. etc. But Ethereum doesn't. So um, as you said, you know, they can, it's a circulating supply is very important and they can make sure that they're always, or the rewards are given in a way to ensure that a circulating supply is always um, feasible on Ethereum, let's say. Mm. Um, but you, you mentioned there, obviously, the kind of the pricing in of the... Um, some of the technical aspects of the merge. And that's something I want to touch on. So um, currently Ethereum is um, just over $1,500 per ETH. And many people have been wondering, you know, will the price go up? Will the price go down? What's what's going to happen to to Ethereum as a cryptocurrency? Uh, Mm. And of course, it's mostly speculators who want to know that. And just to preface, I have no idea. And anybody who does tell you (laughs) they definitely know what's going to happen is lying to you. Mm. Um, But it's, it's... Tricky to say. I put a tweet out earlier this week saying something along the lines of, um, you know, if the merge isn't priced in, then the current price of ETH looks very attractive. You know, it, it's quite low. It's dipped recently. Um, that's not to say I've bought any ETH recently because I haven't. <laughs> but, mm. um, you know, moving ahead into a proof of work future for ETH, it, it seems seems attractive to me, at least, again, not financial advice. Um <laughs> But with all the speculation about what exactly will will happen um, when the merge comes around, I mean, that's, I mean, who knows? Who, who knows just how priced in the merge is? I mean, there's mm. some people that still think that the merge is going to end up in some kind of unintentional hard fork or, you know, yeah. any number of things um, have been speculated on and raised by the community and Twitter threads. I don't understand. Do you understand that? Just just on the side, why they think it's going to end up as a hard If I'm going to be brutally honest, no, I'm not. Well, no, I mean, nor do I. I I, I have a rough... So I know they're doing something called shadow shadow forking, something where they're, um, they're testing forks and then there is going to be an Ethereum hard fork when they implement new tech. But I don't know why they think there's going to be an accidental hard fork at the merge because the proof of uh work chain should be um just removed entirely it's not like um when they hard forked after that hack and there was um what was it ethereum classic uh i don't i don't think that can happen unless i'm mistaken i think the kind of where that comes from is obviously there is going to be a point in time on the 15th where we're basically flipping a switch and going from proof of state to proof of work if for whatever reason when that happens the nodes again it could be for any number of technical reasons can't agree on the consensus then we're going to end up with a fork um right 
for anyone who wants any of the technical kind of background or that kind of thing definitely go and head to the ethereum foundation website i'll link it in the show yeah. notes because they're going to have much better resources than i will or you know what just go and ping uh on twitter he probably won't reply <laughs> to you but um it, 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 his feed is a pretty good um pretty good thing to follow if you if you want to be kind of in hmm. in the know with what's going on our ethereum but but yes, please don't take our word as gospel <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to what may happen during the worship. But yeah, um, yeah the, the the jury's out on whether it's priced in or not. And the only thing I can say is we'll see. We'll see what the merge happens yep. and exactly what comes out of it. Will it go off uh, without a hitch? Maybe. Will there be some issues? Maybe. Will the price go up? Mm. I don't know. Will it go down? I don't know. So, um, but of course, on top of the price of ETH, um, some people are wondering what will happen to the price of their NFTs. I think yep. for the most part, there isn't really going to be any change in the price of any particular project. Like, I don't think, for example, the board eight floor is going to move by 10 ETH or... Mm, I, I can't see why it would. It doesn't feel yep. like a market-moving event for NFTs. Yep. I think what you might see is, I think you'll see more transactions, or hopefully, depends on the gas fees, isn't it? But you may you may see more transactions. But again, I, I until they lower the gas fees, I don't even think it's going to, I don't even think you'll really see transaction spike. Um, I mean, I've got, um, I've got a bunch of NFTs that I've had since 2018 that is stuck on the original engine blockchain, ERC20. And to port it across, I'd have to pay gas fee on each transaction. And I worked out and it was like thousands. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm just going to wait until ethereum 2 and then and then do it but uh, that's still some way off actually that's another misconception that we should talk about i saw people confused about ethereum 1 and ethereum 2 uh which is now i've thought about it admittedly very confusing yes uh, so for, for anyone that doesn't know a lot of people will say ethereum 2 all they mean by that is ethereum proof of stake and ethereum 1 is proof of work so currently ethereum one is the execution layer and that's what we use right now um to do anything you anything you want to do on the ethereum blockchain it uses ethereum one's execution layer ethereum two is the consensus layer for proof of stake um when they merge we're just going back to plain old ethereum there isn't ethereum 2.0 well, it, I mean, it is, but I mean, it just gets confusing to call it that. So, um, it's just, it's just Ethereum. So don't, yeah, there's not two, because it, it makes it sound like there's a duality of tokens. Yep. There isn't going to be a new token. It's still Ethereum. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. I just want to throw that in there because that, yeah, that is confusing. No, of course. But I mean, as you said, there's, there's little to no change from a, from an NFT point of view. Like as an NFT holder, if you're holding any ETH NFTs, you don't have to do anything. You're not going to notice any change unless the price yep. or anything drastically goes up or down, in which case you will notice. But from a technical standpoint, um, you know, you're not going to log into, I don't know, OpenSea, for example, and it's going to be like, hey, you need to click this button and transfer mm. your NFTs. And I envisage when the merge happens, there was going to be a lot of opportunist scammers and people like God. with Tor saying, hey, you've got to register your NFTs on, on Ethereum now. And j no, yep. yeah, you don't have to do anything. So, yeah. um, yeah, just just sit tight, just go watch what happens, but don't worry about the NFTs in your wallet. Those are perfectly safe. Hundred percent. There's there's also something on that that really impresses me with um, this merge is that 
at least this is this is intended to happen. I guess we don't know for sure. It would definitely work this way. But everything running on Ethereum right now will work identically post-merge to how it did pre-merge. And the histories will, that is, for all intents and purposes, the ledger is perfectly intact. Yep. So if you didn't know it was happening, you shouldn't have any real indicator, I don't no. think, that, that it's happening. So I think that, I mean, that is that is amazing. They, I think it's less like trying to flip the engine of a car to electric and more like changing the engine of a plane while flying. Because if you if you get the, if they got it wrong, I, oh my God, I, I don't know. Imagine it goes down when they try and do the merge. It, it would, I don't know what it'd do to the price, to crypto as a whole, to NFT. It, it would it'd be an absolute nightmare. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen. They've tested this thoroughly with multiple test nets they've done um they i can't remember what they called them but they've done uh test merges to see what happens and to simulate what will happen when they merge with uh, so they by running um a parallel chain the pos like by running parallel it's been doing a lot of the transactions it's, it's been mirroring a lot of what's been happening on the execution layer so we know it works in the way that they want it to that that's the whole point of these test nets is to check that it works, you know, the way you want it to. Yeah. Obviously, there can be unforeseen stuff, particularly in such a new industry. But uh, it, I mean, it looks it looks great, and they they one of the ways they've mitigated the risk because uh, if you just moved it in one go from original Ethereum to proof of stake, it would be extremely risky. So that's what the whole point of uh, the beacon chain, which is what the parallel proof of stake chain is called. Um, so it, it also it served what purpose it served? It serves the purpose of um, validators uh, being able to stake enough ETH to to uh, have it up and running once you switch over. They've thought about they've thought about things that we don't even know is a problem. Yeah. So hopefully we see a smooth transition. And yeah, I. I fail to see many downsides no. to, to this merge. I think as, as much as the Ethereum Foundation, everyone working on the merge can do, they've explored as many possibilities and as many edge cases for how this could in any way yeah. go wrong and have tried yeah. to test for it. So fingers crossed, come the 15th, everything will go swimmingly. Mm. Um, but speaking of ETH going to proof of work, this of course brings us on to what's going to happen to the layer two solutions. You know, what's going to happen to Polygon yeah. and Immutable that are already proof of work and just stake. kind of serve as a proof of stake, sorry. Yeah. And um, just are there to facilitate uh, transactions in a, you know, a very quick way and some are more optimized for blockchain games, some are more optimized, for, you know, a myriad of different mm. things. Um, and from what I can tell or from who I've spoken to, um, there's... Some people, or I've seen some people on on Twitter saying, "Well, doesn't this kind of make some of the layer twos redundant? Like, you know, does it? What's the point of having a a polygon or an immutable now if if the the main mm. layer one solution is proof of work?" Um, state. I think the big uh, proof of state. Sorry, I get, <laughs> if I if I conflate any of these, I massively apologise. Sorry, right. oh I'll, I'll just jump in. It's so the there's so of, many terms. The amount of technical just... terms in this industry is ridiculous. Anyway. Um, 
Because as we previously mentioned, um, when the merge happens, gas prices aren't really going to change because the underlying uh, machinery yeah. running the chain is not changing. The yeah. benefit of something like a Polygon or an Immutable X or whatever sidechain we're looking at is they have you know dedicated machinery and dedicated setups to process transactions very, very quickly in a much more friendly way um, and in a much more appealing way to game developers, um, you know, people building those sorts of projects where... Um, you know, they're anticipating thousands of items being transacted a second. Um, so from that point of view, um, you know, Polygon, Immutable, etc., they still have a use case, you know, that I, I don't yeah. feel like there's going to be a, uh, you know, a massive drop in price for those, for the for the coins behind those chains or, the, you know, a massive loss of interest in Polygon or Immutable X. Um, mm. Similar to how NFTs are just going to kind of move over without much kind of, fanfare which is going to happen um yeah. the same will happen for for the side chains um at the face of it nothing really changes uh, and speaking of just to go back to gamescom um from the triple a's that i've spoken to um, again i'm not going to name names but i think 95 percent of them are hitching a ride with either polygon or immutable x as their kind of as their chains that they have chosen to partner with moving into the future so there is absolutely yeah. a future for eth slayer 2 <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, particularly for, so gaming is, as you know, uh, but you know, sometimes I get a little bit conflicted about, like, I, uh, we're having a conversation. Now I remember that I want to say things to listeners, but then it sounds like I'm trying to educate you, which I'm, I'm not. Um, <laughs> so, uh, gaming is extremely or can be extremely transaction heavy. Um, so not only does that become punished by gas fees, it also, can you hear that notification? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you heard that through my headphones. My, I'm going to have to shut Outlook because uh, Gamescom emails are coming in like every five seconds. Um, sorry. So where was I? Um, yeah. Not only are games transaction heavy, but they with uh, it, it, it can impact in a number of ways. So by being transaction heavy, uh, gas fees are way worse because you have to do more transactions. You have to pay more gas fees, and it's just untenable on um, Ethereum Layer One right now. Um, but also the ceiling, and it's kind of a glass ceiling, but the ceiling on how many transactions per second can be done is much, much, much lower on Ethereum. Now, this is above my station, but I was looking at the proof of stake, um, the mechanisms behind it. So at the moment, it does it in something like 13 second blocks, and they're moving to 12 second blocks. Uh, and essentially your transaction goes into one of these. And if it misses a block, it has to go into the next one. Um, that's not really, that's not, I, I would say that's untenable for most games to be in that sort of system. That will probably change over time. But the point is that even if Ethereum, uh, was to become at a standard where it is just perfect for games, you know, in terms of, uh, TPS and gas fees, I think we're years and years away from it. And at that point, I imagine interoperability will be so high that Polygon, Immutable X, it, it's just not going to be, it's not going to be like, oh, oh, who do we choose? I think interoperability will be a, a point where it won't really matter. It'll be more about the ecosystem you're joining. So that one of my first uh, questions when I heard about the merge actually coming to fruition. And I think I even sent you a message about it is 
uh, I wonder what the layer twos think about this. I wonder what they're going to say to their users to, you know, quell any fears. And, uh, I, I, I just, I don't think they really need to for a while. I mean, we're looking at, was it mid 2023 when sharding comes in and yeah, you've got, and that's going to have to go through testing. And then they've got a, this I mean, if you look at the, roadmap for ethereum it's a long way before they've got everything up and firing but they don't they don't need to really it's just yeah. not essential it's not it's not a chain that's been being used directly for things like gaming yeah uh so yeah i don't i don't think there's much risk to the layer twos presently no and as we can I, i've just read a piece on um on booter and saying that by by the end of the the roadmap or the current roadmap for ethereum they're looking at um, this is post-merge, post-sharding. They're looking at being able to process about 100,000 transactions per second. Um, right. Which Poly- I think, yeah. Sorry, go on. No, you're going to say what I was about to po- say. Poly- Polygon can currently do about 65,000 per second and Immutable mm. can do about 9,000. But yeah. the reason these Layer 2s have or, or have value in that sense is it's it's in addition to what Ethereum can handle. So rather mm. than those 65,000 Polygon transactions per second having to happen on Ethereum, they happen on their own dedicated chain um, yeah. and they don't have to bother the main network and cause, you know, those nodes to become more busy and cause gas prices to go up. And, you know, having mm. these dedicated side chains for, for dedicated purposes, which, you know, Polygon has, Immutable X has, and, you know, other layer twos do, of course, um, means that for for you know teams can build infrastructure around particular uses whether that's finance blockchain gaming uh i don't know music nfts whatever it is ticketing you know we just had the Ticketmaster news um a week or so ago um and by having those dedicated layer two solutions to deal with those things it means that the main network doesn't have to be bothered doesn't have to worry about the transactions doesn't have to worry about gas fees and so you know it's of net benefit to everybody that that these layer twos exist and that they continue to operate and i mean as i've already said i don't think there's nothing to worry about when it comes to layer twos yeah i don't i don't think there is either um i was trying to think of any so there's two things i want to uh just make sure we've covered everything we can think of which is one is the benefits of proof of stake and the others are any potential risks or downsides the, the only other benefit i can think of that we haven't really mentioned is and this is perhaps a little theoretical in places, but it's arguably more secure than proof of work because it's more decentralized. Um, at the moment, mining farms and big companies run Ethereum. So it's easier, in inverted commas, to... Oh, I'm on video. It's easier to <laughs> target um, these companies and you know the major players in Ethereum. When it becomes proof of stake, it makes it a lot harder to attack. You, you don't even need to stake Ethereum to run a node on your PC, which I didn't, I actually didn't, I don't think I realized that before. Um, so it becomes far more decentralized and spread out. And uh, so essentially proof of stake networks are secured by validators and these validators are chosen at random uh, based on how much they have staked. And it, so this, this is also one of the risks. Uh, again, risk I'm not sure how much of risk this is. I've only read a little bit on this, but these validators for uh, the next block that will be public, obviously, because because crypto. Um, and there is a slight risk that these, pu- by making these public, these validators will get DDoSed. 
Um, and I think there's a way in which the attackers could then take the big transactions because you get a um, portion of transaction fees and that there's, there's, there's some risk to that. And then I started looking into the solution to this and it's being solved by shock horror cryptography. And I started reading how they're going to do it. And I mean, I just stopped thinking for a moment <laughs> and just, and just went dark. My, my brain went dark. So I'm not going to try and explain that, but that is what one of the few real risks apparently is that, um, the validators could be DDoSed, which would make the network. I presume either unstable or generally unsafe. And if you dissuade people from being block producers, that's obviously terrible for the ecosystem. But it didn't sound like something that was really worrying many people because it seemed, you know, uh, solvable. So they're the, I think that's the last two, you know, benefits and risks that I can think of. Can you think of anything else? Um, not in particular. I mean, you mentioned obviously, you know, anybody can now become a validator. It will cost you 32 Ethereum. No, <laughs> which is no, no, no. Hang on. I thought that as well. This is not true. Okay. I hang on. Bear with me. This, I researched this. <laughs> um, I'll be glad someone, proven wrong. Yes, it is. It is not true. Um, ah, here we go. Running a node requires staking 32 Ethereum. This is a misconception and is false. Anyone is free to sync their own self-verified copy of Ethereum, i.e. run a node. No Ethereum is required, not before the merge, not after the merge, not ever. And that's Ethereum.org. So Interesting. I thought that as well, though. I, I was this, this is why we're doing this episode. Because, yeah, yeah. Because I, I thought the exact same thing. Exact same thing. I, uh, I thought that was the case because of how they select validators based on staking and that you have to have a certain amount staked. Um, no, apparently not. Also, while, while I'm here, I've just remembered I wanted to go over. There's a thread that is recommended. Um, it's just a brief thread on Twitter about... Um, the fees and why the Ethereum layer one fees will not be coming down. So I'm just going to very quickly read this. I haven't read it yet. Um, so hopefully this doesn't go too techy, but it's not that long. Um, so he says, post merge Ethereum layer one fees will not come down. The purpose of the merge is to depreciate. Does he mean depreciate? Ethereum. Uh, actually, that says deprecate. The merge is, oh, I wish I could read. The purpose of merge is to deprecate Ethereum's um, proof of work consensus mechanism and replace it with proof of stake. Fees are a function of block space demand, not consensus mechanism. For lower fees, use the layer twos that are already live. That's another um, excellent point uh, yeah. supported for um, using layer twos. Um, for a six to 12 month window post merge, there will be no structural sell pressure from Ethereum issuance which is the presumably that's referring to the um, triple halving uh, staked Ethereum and issuance block rewards to validators cannot be withdrawn until withdrawals are enabled. Uh, interesting. Cause I presume that would tank the price if they could, I don't know that for sure, but I presume that would affect the price. Um, blah, blah, blah. You don't know. No one cares about that. Ethereum inflation drops from 4.3% to 0.22% post merge. So that is, 
this is this is not useful to us. <laughs> this is I've just I've just got back back to the the fees, and uh, I mean we can we can link this, but this is this goes deep into the maths behind this. Um, so you know what? Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think when it comes to any kind of technical knowledge, Ari, how blockchains work, how consensus mechanisms work, how yeah. you know, how the underlying technology um, below NFTs, Web three, uh, it's this is stuff that you you need to seriously be a dedicated programmer in the web three oh, space to, to even understand um well it's like it's it's program it's coding it's um mathematics and it's cryptography which is kind of mathematics yeah. so it, it's uh we'll link that that it the maths behind why gas fees aren't going down but uh, essentially that is someone who who works within the ethereum ecosystem he's someone of note and he's just echoing well we're echoing what he said essentially which is that uh, just because you're moving from proof of work to proof of stake consensus mechanism doesn't mean it's going to affect the gas fees. It won't. Yeah. Um, but but it is something that's on the roadmap for Ethereum, which is good. Yeah. Now, what I'll do in the show notes is I'll link to the developer documentation for proof of stake on mm. Ethereum. Which I mean, I've just got it open. I'm scrolling through it at the moment. It's uh, there's a lot of it. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> oh my god, it's it's so it's so impressive. It, that, that's all I yeah. just keep thinking. Like, I wish I was smart enough to be able to really get into the the nitty gritty of the tech behind this. But I mean, it's it's incredible. Yeah, no, it, it, it's incredible for sure. But I think from um f- from the point of view of me and you and our and our understanding and what we've gone through in this episode, the, the merge is or should be. <laughs> unequivocally mm. a, a good thing for ethereum and a good thing for nfts as a Hopefully. whole you know yeah. it's as you say it's going to make um it's going to make ethereum more secure it's going to make it um much less energy intensive and uh better for scaling you know yeah um and with all the interest that's coming into Web3 off the back of uh, Gamescom, uh, similar events like it. and I mean, not just even the games industry. I said earlier, Ticketmaster uh, have mm. now entered Web3, and it seems like every other week or so we're hearing of another kind of um, household name entering the space. Yeah, who's and, doing loyalty rewards? Is it Starbucks? I believe it's Starbucks, yes. And there's it's, quite a few yeah. of them exploring it. Yeah, um, some of them are doing that, which, yeah, it's... Um, yeah. It's, it's all good news. Yeah. So, I mean, what what does the merge mean for the future? It, it means better. It means better things. It means more security. It means more transactions, more scaling. Um, you know, it means the industry isn't being as harmful to the planet. Um, on that note, I wonder if anything will ever happen to to Bitcoin in that respect. I wonder if uh, who knows. Well, <laughs> who mining knows? will eventually fizzle out. Eventually, we're, we're talking a long so, time down the line. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I, I think Ethereum was the bigger, probably the bigger problem. Yeah. Um, do you, I've got one more massive, amazing benefit of this. Sure. Do you want on. it? Are you ready? Yeah, you ready yeah, for it? It's, yeah. it's off the wall. This is an off the wall benefit that someone <laughs> uh, mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago, and I've not forgotten. Um, the market is going to be flooded with GPUs. High-end gaming GPUs. So gamers who have been, I don't know if anyone knows this, but they've been really struggling to get graphics cards um, because the bloody miners are just chowing down on them to make money. Yeah. Um, so now that mining is going to be defunct on Ethereum, a lot of these mining funds set up for Ethereum, I guess they could move to Bitcoin. I'm not sure um, how similar or different it is, but 
the likelihood is a lot of them are going to be selling off on mass GPUs. So if you're looking for a cheap graphics card upgrade, <laughs> now's the time. It's coming. I tell you, what, I wish I wish that Merge had come around when I was building my current PC because honestly, it took so long for me. I could get everything else. Everything else was fine. GPU, yeah. no. I'm checking five websites a day, three times a day. Mad, isn't it? <laughs> was it just? Is it just? Crypto that's ruined the GPU. Well, not ruined. It's I mean, people making GPUs. Uh, I think part, part of it was kind of slowed down from COVID and chip shortages and all of that. But crypto, that, uh, maybe. Uh, but you know, like crypto's demand for powerful GPUs to for, yeah. for proof of work Crazy. was not helping. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, maybe it's time to get a new graphics card. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm 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 going to be looking. I'm going to I'm going to get one. Although, although, is it like buying a, a a boy racer's car off them. Is it going to have just been <laughs> ragged to death? Fans are going to be like screaming every time. Maybe. You turn it I on. mean, I, I imagine a lot of these GPUs have been like running full pelt, overclocked to an inch of their lives for, for two years, three years. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, who yeah. knows? But in any case, you'll be able to hop on eBay and uh, maybe pick up a deal. So. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Dual a, SLI. Let's do it. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of, I think that wraps up our chat on. Uh, the Ethereum merge. I don't think there's much else for us to go to. I mean, it's uh, it's one of those topics that is so technical that um, I think if you want to explore more, there's certainly resources that we can give you to uh, to let you dive deeper mm. on uh, on the ETH merge. And if you're excited in the technical side of that, then we can obviously point you in that direction. But um, but yeah, on the surface, um, from what we can understand, it's incredibly exciting. Um, and I think September the fifteenth is going to be a day where a lot of people are just glued to Twitter looking at <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. how the merge is going down and if any um if anything arises from it but mm. there we go yeah penguins are probably pretty pleased yeah i think the penguins and the polar bears are going to be very happy on um, september yeah. 15th they can't and... wait for the end of original <laughs> pow ethereum it's all they talk about oh and i think um should everything go well September the 15th, I think all the validators, the Ethereum Foundation, and uh, all the team that have worked on making the merge happen are going to be uh, mm. very relieved as well. Going to bed for a week. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, okay, cool. Um, that was episode 36 of the Mint One podcast. Rob, mm. where can we find you? Okay, looking at camera. You can find me uh, at tokengamer.io, where we have daily blockchain gaming news, uh, reviews, general ecosystem commentary, opinion pieces. Uh, There's been a lot of opinion pieces lately, um, but that is where you can find content. We then have a YouTube channel, which is uh, Token Gamer on YouTube, and we post stream highlights, twitch.tv forward slash Token Gamer, to watch the stream on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. UTC, I believe and uh, super dope streams blockchain games only so if you're interested in what's fun to play right now he's only really playing the fun to play games so you can hop on there he's, he's been addicted to battle tabs lately you've seen this on yeah, um I've tuned in a few times yeah but i uh, it looks really boring but then <laughs> multiple people that to me have said to me oh that looks really boring and then they've played it and like okay no it's addictive um, <laughs> i've not been able to get off i tell you what um uh, the wheels are coming off i don't care anymore uh i tell you what game has been really addictive to me is the alpha league racing or alpha racing league oh yeah. it's this little little browser racer uh on solana and i thought oh that looks like rubbish it looks like a flash game from 
you know, ages ago. And then they were like, oh, if you beat this time, you'll get this NFT car. And I was like, well, I'll beat that time. Don't worry about it. I, I love racing <laughs> games. Oh my God, I can't beat the time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so difficult. And uh, it's it's become really addictive. So uh, you should give that a go. Um, what else was I saying? You can find me on Twitter at Token Gamer News, where we post uh, all the articles, all the content, all the videos. That's a great way to, to track everything we're doing in one place. And uh, app Wax Companion app on App Store and um, Android's Play Store. Oh my God, Dap! I can't. It's not out yet. Uh, oh, I don't know. You'll find us. You don't care either, do you? Do you? You don't care. It, it, I mean, you don't even listen to this bit. I bet you've not listened to this bit. So, uh, John, where can people find you? Also, now that we're on YouTube, I could probably look at the watch time and see how many people tailor off after we've actually uh, stopped oh, yeah. talking about the main. I, I wouldn't listen to this. <laughs> I, I wouldn't listen to this markup. Oh yeah, I think I'll better mark that as well. Um, but yes, for. For myself, um, for the latest NFT news, is at nftinsider.io. Um, what have we been doing lately? Um, we've got, I think it's either four or five interviews in the can, and I'm trying to space them out so I don't just dump them all on the website at once. So um, what have we got? We've got Our Planet, we've got Shrapnel, we've got uh, oh, sure. Lonely Pop, we've got... Uh, there's definitely more in the Atmos, Atmos Labs. Um, loads of really cool things, so... Um, Head to the website for that. I think we've just published an article on the uh, top five all-time sales on ETH. And PAX Merge does not count. And nobody's going to tell me otherwise that it does. So, anyway. Oh, no, that's going to upset some people. <laughs> you can go and read that article if you want to find out more about that. Um, for our social medias, it's at nftinsider underscore io on Twitter and Instagram. Um, pod clips, drops, retweets of cool stuff. Um, all that, All that good stuff. Um, on both on both platforms there for me personally it's at hydropowered h-y-d-r-o-p-w-r-d on twitch twitter instagram tiktok clubhouse probably some more um i did my first stream for the first time in i think it was four months yesterday um so i am looking to stream for um every wednesday for about an hour or two um i did it at 16 utc yesterday that might change kind of depends on Depends on what's going on, quite frankly. But um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back in streaming, playing some blockchain games, talking all things NFTs, all that fun stuff. Um, but for, for my opinions on the space and kind of the best platform to follow me on would be Twitter. Um, daily tweets um, where I'm either causing arguments or um, talking about uh, standards in the industry or, you know, safety advice or all that good stuff. So there we go. Um, ah, newsletter. I forgot the newsletter. Um, go to nftinsider.io forward slash newsletter. We publish a uh, an email to your inbox uh, once a week. Um, now we've finally sorted our issues with MailChimp. It will now be every Monday. So, um, yeah, exclusive interviews, exclusive giveaways. Um, stuck at 6pm from uh, the Adventurers Guild. Hmm. Very kindly um, gave us the um, the first NFT that he's distributed. I believe he He's kept mint one, but um, we we've got a segment of a kind of an amalgamation pack for things for uh, for tags. So there's guild licenses in there, there's items, there's potions, all sorts of stuff, and that is up for grabs on our newsletter this week. So um, for more giveaways like that and all other cool stuff, go sign up to our uh, to our newsletter. Um, I think that is now everything. 
and mm. every week my list of things is going to start getting longer as I do it's more, just getting videos, ridiculous. more videos more new, yeah it's it's, it's like five percent of the podcast is now us <laughs> trying to say stuff to look at other than the podcast yeah it, it, it's crazy but um yeah there we go I think um I, I when will this podcast come out I'm hoping it will come out before Friday if you're listening to this prior to Friday evening definitely tune into the um to the Twitter space on Atomic Hub, uh, where Jonah is going to be taking, uh, well, it's basically going to be an open floor where you guys can ask Jonah whatever the hell you want. So mm. tune into that. And if you've got difficult questions, cool. ask them because he can't run away. So there we go. <laughs> cool. Um, well, that was uh, episode 36 of Mit One. Thank you very much for watching. Um, Five-star review on Spotify and Apple if you thought this podcast was good. Um, One-star if you thought it was bad. But either way, you know. Mm. And, mm. Not judging this last bit. No. If you thought before this, the outro was good, then five stars. Don't yeah. one star because of the outro. That's not fair. No, no, on, honest feedback's always uh, always appreciated. Um, mm. And of course, our Discord's great for that um, as well. The Empty Inside Return Game. Because Discord's... Um, Mint One on Twitter, at Mint One Pod. Follow us there. And I've not been posting too much now, but now that I, I see how close Rob resembled the um, Corinthian in uh, Sandman, I might put up some side-by-side images and see what people think yeah. of it. Um, yeah. That's such a great shout. I haven't even seen the show, so I had no idea what it was. I thought, oh my God, am I going to Google this and be mega insulted? But I mean, it's it's just fair enough. It, it is, is uncannily is. close. So, <laughs> so there we go. Comparison images to come on the Twitter. And of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, like and subscribe would be great. Comment section for any thoughts, ideas, people we should interview, all that good stuff. Yep. Right. I think that's our very verbose intro now done. <laughs> yep. Um, cool. Uh, well, I can't. I know you've been speaking for a while, but I can't uh, get oh, us off this shit. You need oh, to do I'm your radio voice. <laughs> okay, radio okay. voices. There we go. Episode 36 of Mint One Podcast in the books. Thank you very much for watching, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we hope you tune in again next week.